0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Camp Half-Pod. We are your head counselors. I am Erin, daughter of Athena.
1: And I'm Monica daughter of Persephone. This week we are starting the House of Hades with chapters 1 through 8.
0: We're back from our, our break, our hiatus, I guess. I think that's the word podcasting people use. I think everyone uses hiatus, right? Yeah. Like-
1: I mean, as influencers, right? We are like professional oh. podcasters at this point.
0: One of my favorite things is when I see an influencer say they're going on hiatus and then I see them two days later posting mm-hmm. stories. Or like come <laughs> like, a
1: break from social media,
0: you guys, and it lasts about six hours. I mean, relatable content. Exactly. But stuff, I, I do that. Me. I delete Instagram from my phone like once a month and download it like two days later. So... I deleted TikTok and downloaded it back mm. again within two days because mm. I was like, I'm so
1: bored because I don't love mm-hmm. going on like Instagram and stuff anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, as one of the youths, I really like TikTok.
0: Yeah, as a young hip individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of young hip individuals, I have a new favorite mythological figure that po- appears in this in these chapters that I really hyper fixated on. Oh, fun. I'm so excited to go into it. I'm also just, like, so excited to start this book. I think the the end of Mark of Athena is such, like, my favorite moment that I forget that this book is actually, I think I like it better than Mark of Athena. Oh, I definitely goal.
1: like this book better yeah. than Mark of Athena. I feel like because you have everyone separated, not everyone, mm-hmm. at least mostly, like, like Persebeth is on one side, and then the rest of the gang is on the other, you have actual, like, you don't have, like, the same story being repeated from different points of view. You actually have yeah. different things going on. Yeah. it's much And better. it's fun
0: because it, like, alternates between, like, one chapter is the people above and then below. And yeah. then that's how we're going to alternate. Like, we switch off with, like, who gets the above and who gets the below. Because I remember when I was making the outline for this, I was like, if we just go, like, me, you, me, you, or whatever, I would have all of the bo- like all of the ones above and you would have all the Percy and Annabeth and I was like that's not it <laughs> no that's not it
1: also like it's so there's a lot going on like there's so much yeah. emotional turmoil below mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like it's not fair to, for like
0: one of us to get that exactly yeah I gotta I gotta lighten it up with mm-hmm. Hazel and uh we, uh... Oh, I'm sorry. The, emotion- the
1: emotional turmoil is actually the want. Like, we get to share the emotional oh turmoil. We want, them. You okay, want yeah. the emotional turmoil. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. I forgot. That's one of <laughs> my favorite emails I've ever gotten said trauma in parentheses in a good way. And I was like, I <laughs> love that.
0: Trauma. We mean this positively. Yeah. <laughs> it's a positive connotation.
1: You know how they have like
0: little like uh, in scripts they
1: have like the type that you're supposed to say it's like yeah. derogatory, it's yeah. like trauma, affectionate. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Love that. All right, uh, summary of what we're going to talk about today. So it's a lot. Hazel is um, fighting above. They're trying to. She gets into her true horse scroll powers yes. and witch powers, which is really exciting. And then below, um, Percy and Annabeth are having a bad time. <laughs> That's, like, basically how to describe it.
0: That's how we'll describe every single section. We'll be like, and then below, Percy and Annabeth are struggling. Struggling. It's just a bad time. Like, nothing is better. Yeah. Except they're together. At least they're together. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Hazel chapters one through four. These are some, like, quintessential Hazel chapters. We get, like, all the core things of her being horses and then magic okay so chapter one we open up with the argo two being attacked by a mountain god which is something that is has apparently happened a few times since we last saw the gang as they're traveling through the mountains and they just keep getting attacked Hazel, Leo, and Nico are playing defense against the gods while the others sleep through this, and Hazel hasn't been able to relax at all until they get out of the mountains. We catch up on what's been going on since Annabeth and Percy fell. They're still trying to get from Rome to Epirus in Greece, which is where the House of Hades is. A a book title drop right there. Mm. And it should be a straight shot over the Adriatic Sea, but each time they try to cross over Italy... The mountain gods attack. I sort of feel like I need a map to understand some of the things they're saying in this, but I didn't look one up, so. <laughs> we, we have the power of, you yeah. know, the internet. We could we could do that. We have, yeah. we have the technology. I know, I was like, you know, I could visualize this better if I just googled map of Italy, but <laughs> it didn't happen.
1: <laughs> I'm, like, imagining as they're talking about this chapter, um... Or when I was reading this chapter, I was imagining the scene from, like, like Lord of the Rings, where the mm. mountains are alive and just like throwing rocks oh. at each other.
0: That's cool. And I was I like, like, yeah, that. in New that's Zealand, kinda, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> vibe I'm envisioning too. Yeah. Especially when, when in the next chapters, when Hikati's like my secret passage through the mountains, I was imagining full Lord of the Rings moment there. So it also doesn't help that the the fact that they're the most powerful demigods and they're carrying the Athena Parthenos. So basically they're like a beacon to monsters and gods that are waiting to attack. And they're in the land of all the ancient gods and monsters. And so they're just very at risk right now. What are you doing?
1: (laughs) I'm Google mapping the best way to get from Rome to Everest. Wait, what does it say? So by car, it takes about 15 and a half hours. They should have driven. I know. (sighs) Seems like it would be faster than taking the ship. Yeah, because they're like taking days. You have to take a ferry. Okay. Um, That takes about eight hours. Now, if you wanted to, let's say, walk. Oh, let's take public transportation. Oh, that oh. cannot calculate. Okay, let's walk.
0: Public transportation so, doesn't go well for demigods. Remember, no. Percy blew up that bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But walking, which is something
1: that they love to do,
0: would take about 162
1: hours. So, How many days were- is that? Uh, let's do some quick math. I think 6.75 days. So it's probably the same
0: amount of time, to be honest. Yeah. So it's
1: like Leo was on the ground walking, <laughs> and the rest were mm-hmm. stuck in the ship. He would beat them to, <laughs> to yes. Greece, including I mean Percy, because there's a water aspect. So if Percy mm-hmm. was, that's why it takes them the same amount of time probably to get to the doors as Tartarus,
0: because they took the boat. Because <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah and yeah, they're, they're like walking. drawing attention
0: to themselves yeah. i think that they should have sent a few of them back to camp half-blood with the uh, athena parthenos get that out of the way because that's just like a beacon like find us right here and then a few of them should have gone incognito stolen a car put on disguises and drove yeah or even just taking the freaking horse like so it's there yeah
1: yeah or hazel's horse
0: could go yet. wait mm-hmm. why didn't he yeah oh I didn't even think of that. Hazel's horse definitely should have just, like, taken her. Yeah. She's the one who, like, can defeat the enemy there alone, so why doesn't she just go? <laughs> <laughs> we are such better demigods. I know! At Hera, hire us for your next weird quest. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So, Hazel notes that since leaving Rome, the crew has been losing their cohesion. Basically, Persebeth was the glue that tied them together, just like it ties the story together.
1: Also, and it's lately, more
0: realistic.
1: Like, I, them all pretending to be friends in the last book, I was like, I'm mm-hmm. sure this makes more sense
0: to me. Yeah, that they all kind of hate each other Yeah, a they're co-workers bit. at best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they've all been arguing a tongue. and Hazel's like... She wants to figure out how to get to Greece without waking the others. She's like, they've been grumpy. They need their sleep. I don't want to deal with them. So silently, Hazel prays to her father to help them find a way to the house of Hades since, you know, it's it's his house. And then at the edge of the horizon, a flicker of movement catches her eye. And this here's the moment in every horse girl movie when the horse comes back after running away. So just like, imagine. The sun, it's setting over the fields, the grassy, grassy fields. Soft music plays in the background, and and the girl hears hooves in the distance, but she thinks, no, it couldn't be. But then we see a familiar horse face on the horizon. The setting sun shines on the girl's face, and her horse is home, and they run and they embrace. Their hair is both flying in the wind what a visual it's also hilarious
1: because i'm imagining when you said the horse's face over the horizon i'm imagining you know in teletubbies how the sun is a baby's face imagine the horse's (laughs) face is the sun he's like i'm here (laughs) hazel (laughs) i've
0: become the sun
1: (laughs) or like mufasa like how he like appears in the sky and he's just like never forget who you are and the stars yeah i
0: love that yeah 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 (laughs) Well, Arion has returned to Hazel, and Hazel's like, that's my boy, and he is here to help. So chapter two... Hazel is stoked about her horse returning, but Arion, like, doesn't have time for this happy, sappy, happy reunion because he's like, I gotta show you something, and he kind of ruins her horse girl moment. She tells the boys above that Arion and her are going on a field trip, and Leo says, please tell me he's not taking you into that. And then Hazel finally notices what's on the horizon because she'd been too distracted (laughs) by her horse girl moment. Like, she only saw Arion. She didn't see any of this giant storm that's brewing. (laughs) In the distance and there's a storm cloud that's gathering over some old ruins with a creepy funnel cloud in the middle and apparently this is where arion wants to go she tells the boys to wait on the ship and speeds off on arion's back chapter three arion charges right into the storm towards the ruins hazel is like this was not part of my horse girl fantasy like what is going on but she goes with it she trusts arion Hazel can feel a presence around her, and she and Arion trot along through the stone archway of the ruins. There is mist in the air, but not just any mist. She knows it is the mist, capital M mist. <laughs> I don't know how she recognizes it, but she knows. It has a different smell. Yeah, it's <laughs> the same mist that uh, movie Annabeth had in a spray bottle. Just yeah, that's here. true. For you <laughs> to put on, to put on Tyson, it, it's because it's scented. <laughs> arion seems agitated and even a little scared and then he just kind of pieces out and is like i'm gonna leave you here i'll see you later and a figure of a woman then appears but not just one there's three smoky images of her with a blurred form eventually she solidifies into a young woman with golden hair and a silky dress and skin so pale she looks dead hazel knows this is a goddess but isn't sure who until the woman raises her hands and controls the mist to make two animals appear at her feet, a dog and a weasel. And apparently this just, like, identifies her as Akati to Hazel. Hazel read the <laughs> books, and she's- So it's Akati, the goddess of magic.
1: I love that she's like, ah, uh, my two companions, the most faithful,
0: you know, companion, the dog and the weasel. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this weasel. This weasel is my new icon. <laughs> Are you Akati? I am. Oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah, I actually. Yeah, I show up tomorrow. Like whenever I see you next, and I have a weasel. I'm like, this is they're my, mean. My they bite. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I have a whole, I have a story about them in like two sentences. So chapter four, Hicotti <laughs> tells Hazel that she knew her mother, and we also learn that the weasel, which is actually a polecat, is named Gale, who was once a witch who had what Rick says is bad hygiene. And the dog is Hecuba, former queen of Troy. Mm -hmm. And so I Googled if Gale was like a Riordan thing or if Gale is real. I was like, oh, this would be a fun myth background to do. And then I spiraled into Gale, the witch. So I found that there are two different Gales in Greek mythology, at least that Google told me. There's Galanthus, the nurse, and Gale, the witch, both of whom were turned into weasels. Isn't that interesting? That's very specific. Don't name your children Gale, because you might become a Or Galanthus, a weasel. if that's what you're into. <laughs> she went by Gale. But Gale the Witch is, like, who I'm going to focus on, because um, I think this is the Gale. Bo- also, both, like, um, weasels, or the weasel was always seen accompanying Hecate and there's, like, different versions that say it was Gale the Witch or Gale the Nurse, but i'm going to go with gail the witch cuz i think this is who R- rick is trying to go for um, because it says that she is apparently the origin of the polecat which is a creature that the greeks didn't like so and they thought it smelled weird so they came up with this background like this mythological background on there's a human named gail who was a witch and she was described as incontinent and had abnormal sexual desires oh boy <laughs> So Hecate turned her into an evil creature and thus created the polecat because this woman was, like, peed so much and was smelt so bad and had, was into some weird sex stuff. And then Hecate was like, I'm going to create a creature in her name. <laughs>
1: I love the idea that you see a polecat and the Greek smelt it and was like,
0: fucking gal. <laughs> Same. i love i just love that rick made it just like a weasel that farts a lot <laughs> but it was actually supposed to pee a lot and be into weird sex stuff like i don't know maybe gail was a furry that would make her roman so that's confusing that is confusing. it's really confusing but i she just like that she was time, just like actually she was what if she was just like a lady with a bad bladder <laughs> she had a uti No yeah, like, i out. mean like i consider myself a bad bladder like i have to pee like an hour into the road trip you know yeah like, but I'm you a don't bad, pee yourself a bad bladder bitch that's what i'm calling myself i don't pee myself that's where me and gail differ
1: yeah that's, that's why i'm not a pull cat
0: it's
1: <laughs> the only thing
0: stopping you from being turned into a polecat. cat that's why hikari didn't turn me into a polecat. cat but then there's like different, ver- the version of the myth, like if the Gale that accompanies Hikati, the weasel, is Gale the witch, it's like the, uh, people think that maybe Hikati took pity on Gale the witch after turning her into a polecat and was like, sorry about that. Or if it's Gale the nurse, it's a whole other thing that I didn't read the whole article on. <laughs> I just really love Gale. Like, I think that she is a forgotten hero. A hero. She was just, like, pee- yeah, she was just peeing a lot, and, like, maybe she was just sexually liberated and just peed a lot, also.
1: <laughs> I don't love that those two things have to go together. Like, I mean, they don't, but that's the only description. the <laughs> way that Gail went, went for it, and it was incorrect. Yeah. The combo wasn't, if she did one and not the other, she could have continued to be a woman. But when she combined the two, she became a polecat.
0: What is a polecat? I'm cat? now like, why did they take those things? Like, is does a polecat have weird sex things? Like, is that why they were like, this me- equals this woman? Oh. Well, this is interesting. Oh, it's because, oh, fascinating. It's because the weasel was, went from being, it's a, this article is saying, the weasel in Greek mythology—it's because it's phallic shaped and was supposed to be like a sexual—and <laughs> was supposed to be a sexual deviant. But then apparently, Christianity turned weasels into like a protector of women and childbirth. Apparently, like. Okay, it says the unusual sex life of weasels is an ancient obsession. Even though they were kept as household pets by the ancient Greeks, they were seen as some by morally suspect. (laughs) And it was considered an unclean creature. Man. And has wicked and impure sexual behavior. But what does that mean?
1: Why is it wicked?
0: Freud. Oh, weasels. Whoa, weasels conceive via oral sex. So maybe she just liked oral sex How? and they were like she's a weasel. <laughs> I don't understand the biology behind that. Maybe. I don't know. Wait, so maybe that's just what they thought. Do weasels actually I
1: don't feel have
0: Okay, I don't think they do. I don't think that's that a way, true but, thing. But Apparently, Christians, not Christians, the ancient Greeks used to think this, and the Christians as well. There is, Yeah, in antiquity, there was a fairly widespread belief that weasels were impregnated through their ears and gave birth through their mouths. But their ears! (laughs) Is it just because they're, like, long and tube-shaped? People were like, where are its bits? I don't know. Its mouth? (laughs) These holes on the top of their head. (laughs) I'm just so fascinated that weasels have been a weird <laughs> sex symbol since antiquity.
1: Oh man,
0: <laughs> um, that is so weird. Um, <laughs> well, that explains because the okay, so the Greeks thought weasels conceived via oral sex, and they smelled bad, so they picked a random woman who Gail. was. I mean, let's Gail. Let's be honest. I mean, Gail was a witch, so she was probably like. A f- she's probably just a feminist like maybe she just like i don't know i feel like maybe she discovered freudian. oral sex and was like and people were like that's bad weasel <laughs> it's
1: very freudian to think like to look so at freudian. something and decide because
0: like it might lightly resemble a penis but it's evil <laughs> I can't believe I just did a deep dive into the sex lives of weasels. <laughs> <laughs> the title of our episode. Like, yes. Is... <laughs> we found it. We found
1: it. Oh my god.
0: Wow, that even went deeper than I thought. I thought that they just randomly didn't like her desires, but... Okay. Anyway, that was a really weird deep dive that I don't know how to transition from. <laughs> um. So Hikate. Yeah, yeah. Weasels to Hikari. Yeah, that's how we go. Um, She tells Hazel that she can help her. And she also says, in fact, without her help, Hazel will die. She then shows Hazel some visions. In one, we see Greek and Roman demigods in full armor fighting. And Hazel's also there riding Arion, attempting to stop the violence. We also see the Argo two falling through the sky on fire. And then we see Leo, who is unconscious and falling. And then Frank, alone in a dark tunnel. And then herself in a dark cavern. And Percy and Annabeth sprawled, unmoving in front of some doors. So, like, really, it was basically like, here are all your friends dead. <laughs> the end. And really great possibilities. hecate tells Hazel that she stands at the crossroads, and she herself is the goddess of crossroads. We get a little callback here to Janice, who was the god that was in Battle of the Labyrinth, who was like, pick a door, oh, yeah. who Hikati sneers about, because Janice always presents only two choices, whereas Hikari knows that at true crossroads, there are always many ways to go. She says at least three, four if you count backwards. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I can count higher than two, all the way to four. Yeah. <laughs> Hazel looks at all these visions and is like, these are all bad. Hecate lays out her options for her. So she could go back to Rome, but Gaia's forces will expect that. She could go west and go back to America with her prize. She could go east across the mountains, but will likely get killed by mountain gods. But either way, Hecate says that Annabeth and Percy will suffer and die, which Hazel says is not an option. So the fourth option, the secret option that Hecate reveals, is going north through a secret pass where Hecate holds sway. It's the pathway that's the most out of the way, but it seems to be their best bet and is the most unexpected to Gaia. Hikka tells G- Gazel, <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> focused enough. on Gail, yeah. so <laughs> I, I really want to talk about Gail. <laughs> Hikka tells Hazel she must use the mist, which Hazel does not know how to do. Yet Hikka insists that many demigods can do this and Hazel has the power. She warns Hazel that when they reach the House of Hades, they'll meet a formidable enemy, whose name she won't speak, who cannot be overcome with strength or sword, and Hazel must instead defeat her with magic. She also says that she'll send Gale, (laughs) our incontinent icon, to check on Hazel and her magic. Hazel agrees to this plan, but insists that she's not choosing one of Akati's paths, but instead making her own. A secret fifth option. Yeah, the secret fifth option. Then Hikari leaves and Arion is suddenly there again and they head back to the boat. Hazel then gets back to the boat, fills in Nico and Leo on the fact that she just met a goddess and now knows where to go and they agree to get some rest and at night they'll cross the Apennines and head north. Okay, my notes. There's so a good chunk of it on Gale. Um, <laughs> also, I noticed that unlike like in right, page sixteen in my book, when Hazel's describing Akadi's paleness, she says it reminds her of a dead classmate she saw in an open casket funeral, and I was like, "Jesus, that Christ. is a big trauma thing to dump here, Hazel. Like, what,
1: ma'am?" Just to casually mention it, just just so you can describe yeah. the paleness.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I also have a note that I like. They. I didn't include this in the summary, but they have a bit where Hecate addresses the fact that she supported Kronos in the last war, and she's, like, kind of changed sides now. She's just mm. like, oops, sorry, guys, but um, I kind of hate the gods, but I guess I hate the giants more.
1: <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah. No analogies mm-hmm. to
0: that. No.
1: mm mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we just go straight back down into the depths and talk about Annabelle. So I have chapters 5 through 8. I think it's definitely a power move um, that Rick didn't start off Mm -hmm. with them. He was like, oh, you want to hear about them? Too bad. You've got to read through more (laughs) Hazel first, which, I mean, is delightful. But not the content after Mark of Athena that we were really waiting for.
0: Right? He's like, mm, you're going to have to wait four more chapters. Sorry.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So chapter five, Annabeth is thinking about the Greek poet. Um, minute, I just learned how to say his name. <laughs> Hesiod. Oh. So Annabeth is thinking about the Greek poet Hesiod, theorizing that it takes about nine days for a person to fall and reach Tartarus. Annabeth is falling and has no concept of how much time has passed. She's like, it could be seconds, it could be hours, it could have been days. She and Percy have been holding hands and hugging each other as they fall. Which kind of reminded me of the Spy Kids movie where they just fall <laughs> and they just keep chatting. And like, at one point they're like, they've been screaming, but they kind of forget about it because they've been falling for so long. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously a lot more tragic in the sense. No. Annabeth is rabbi. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Annabeth is wrapped up in how hopeless and unfair the situation is. She's finally reunited with Percy and completed her quest successfully, only to have this happen. She whispers to Percy she loves him. Which I was like, is that the first time they've said it? I think so. Which is, basically, Percy told her, he's like, let's raise our family
0: together before he told her he loved her. It's honestly on brand for 17-year-olds, though. Typical. Annabeth is also
1: fully she's a she's a person of logic she fully believes they will die on impact and cannot think of a single way to save them when the chute they've been falling through suddenly opens to a huge cavern the size of Manhattan so I was just gonna read a bit of the description of Tartarus so here it is so the entire island of Manhattan could have fitted inside this cavern and she still couldn't even see its full extent Red clouds hung in the air like vaporized blood. The landscape, at least of what she could see of it, was rocky, black plains, punctured by jagged mountains and fiery chasms. To Annabeth's left, the ground dropped away in series of cliffs, like colossal steps leading deeper into the abyss. The stench of sulfur made it hard to concentrate, but she focused on the ground directly below them, and saw a ribbon of glittering black liquid, a river so annabeth spots this river and yells at percy to use the water and percy at the last minute of their fall uses his powers to have the water erupt into a massive geyser and just like swallows them whole so chapter six is the water is freezing and immediately annabeth's body goes into shock she hears voices in the water and it makes her feel hopeless and unable to move percy grabs her and together they kick up towards the surface Percy creates a whirlpool to keep them afloat, and Annabeth tries to direct them towards land. Percy looks half dead, and water usually heals him, but this water seems to be draining his energy fast. In fact, the river starts speaking to them and how about how all of it was pointless and they should just die, and Percy seems to start believing and listening to the river. Annabeth quickly realizes this is the coctus, the river of lamentation, a river of pure misery, and she has to try and snap Percy out of the despair. She grabs him and kisses him and makes him tell her again about his dreams and plans for them in New Rome. There's, like, this moment I really loved. It's, like, they're desperately discussing, like, college. And, like, maybe we can go together. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you going to major in, Percy? And Percy is, and she's, like, maybe marine biology. Maybe, like, you know, all these cool things. And Percy is, like, can I surf? And that makes... (laughs) Annabeth start laughing, and that actually causes a shock wave in the water. Mm-hmm. And Annabeth thinks that this is the probably the first, if only, time someone has laughed in Tartarus. And mm-hmm. it's such a really sad, but really pretty, like, thought. I was like, oh.
0: Anyway, mm-hmm. they
1: finally make it to shore, and Annabeth just wants to curl up in the sand and sleep forever. But mm-hmm. the sand is actually blast- <laughs> black glass chips. And the air is acid, and everything in Tartarus is designed to hurt and kill. And I just like have to talk about my note here as I was like, this is just like so over the top. I kind of feel like Nico dream journaled the Tartarus, where he was like, <laughs> and then everything was on fire and nothing. And the river was actually the, the literal like manifesta- manifestation of misery. Also, everything is glass and broken. Like, it's just so over the top all the time.
0: It's kind Nico of He came up with it, like, after Bianca died. He just, like, journaled <laughs> this and created Tartarus. <laughs> he totally did. And was like, everyone went to Claire's and ha- everyone's wearing
1: black chokers with spikes on them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they have capes. They all have capes. Black capes.
1: capes. <laughs> and, like, metal boots. It's Ooh, just, yeah. ugh, great looks. Everyone in Tartarus is dressed to the nines.
0: You know, I hope so. I hope so for them. <laughs> they haven't seen sunlight ever. <laughs> like, ever, so, you know. They're dressed well.
1: Annabeth knows she can't give up. She's like, if she had been here alone, she would have just dropped to the ground and died. But because Percy is there with her, she's like, I have to keep us alive I have to- for his sake. And Percy's beat up, his clothes are completely shredded, his hands are cut up, and he can't seem to get warm. They walk a little bit, noticing that their little beach thing ends at an edge that drops into some red light, and downstream they notice the Fiat that smashed into Arachne and threw her down into Tartarus. The trap she was in, they go investigate, and the trap that Arachne was in... Uh, is empty and annabeth realizes how unfair it is that after all of this arachne not only survived she's escaped and she's probably alive and chilling in monster land gaining energy annabeth feels more tired with each breath and she realizes that tartarus is going to kill them just by existing there unless they find the river of fire (laughs) so chapter seven they go to the cliff with the red light and it's like the nightmare version of the Grand Canyon with a river of fire cutting through the bottom. They start to climb down to the bottom, and Annabeth tells Percy this is a -a phlegathon. Just the stupidest name I've ever heard. It's so stupid. (laughs) And as they get closer to it, the weaker and closer to death they become. Not because of the river, just because of the the time elapsed Mm -hmm. in Tartarus. Annabeth tells Percy they have to drink the fire water, it's because it's the river that flows from Hades' realm to Tartarus. The river is used to punish the wicked by keeping them alive in Tartarus. Or so it's theorized. Again, she isn't sure, but she has to take the risk or they'll die. So she throws her hand into the river, cups the fire water, and drinks it. It's cold to the touch and tastes like the hottest chili pepper she's ever had. Which I was like, in the way she describes it, she's like, once had Indian food. Because remember, book Annabeth <laughs> is white, raised by white people. Or like mostly her dad whenever for as long as they were she was there and she's mm-hmm. like she had indian food and it came with a ghost chili pepper she took a nibble of it and was like dying and she's like it feels like a smoothie made out of these peppers
0: she gagged. the water's him. actually like two stars <laughs> you know actually <laughs> it's not bad at all <laughs> you will fix this with the tv show yeah <laughs>
1: She gags and falls over, but quickly starts feeling much better, breathing easier, and her blisters start fading. Unluckily for Percy, he passes out before drinking, and, per- and Annabeth has to hand-feed him the fire water several times to get him back to consciousness. The two of them, now feeling a bit more alive, look around hopelessly at their surroundings of, like, of the most depressing place they could think of, but they have to get to the doors of death so that the monsters will stop terrorizing the world. Just as they're sitting and talking, Percy's eyes lock on something behind Annabeth, and before Annabeth has even time to recognize that it's Arachne behind them, about to attack, Percy has decapitated the spider. (laughs) Percy's upset that Arachne died so quickly for all the torture she put Annabeth through. And while Annabeth is like, somewhat agrees, she's a little unsettled by Percy's darkness and the edge to his voice, and she's actually kind (laughs) of glad that Arachne died quickly. So they decide to walk downstream deeper into Tartarus, probably where the doors are. It's like, oh, Dark Percy makes an appearance for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It only gets worse from here. Mm-hmm. So chapter eight, Annabeth hears some female voices having an argument on their way downstream and pulls Percy behind the nearest boulder. There are like four ancient gravelly voices and like a fifth voice that sounds like a preppy teen girl We you call her <laughs> mall girl and Percy seems mm. to recognize the voice it's actually the impusa and specifically it's our girl Kelly from okay. back in the Battle of the Labyrinth and from the book even before that right or she only showed up in the Battle of the Labyrinth
0: I think that's when she showed up because okay. the first time we met her was when he was at school with Rachel right so yeah Battle of the Labyrinth mm-hmm. Well,
1: she's openly fantasizing about killing and specifically eating Percy.
0: is um, it like, all she talks world. about always? They must
1: be. They're so tired of per- hearing about <laughs> Percy. Which is yeah. funny because actually the person who killed her is Annabeth. Mm-hmm. So um, Annabeth hates Kelly. She's like, I saw her almost kill Percy back at Daedalus' workshop. And, as, interestingly enough, Annabeth blames her for manipulating Luke into doing Hmm. the darker deeds in the name of Kronos. She's like, if he hadn't been with Kelly, he wouldn't have done that. Which I was like, Mm. Luke committed a lot of war crimes prior to the Battle of the Labyrinth. I think he would have continued to commit those crimes. And also he was like openly disgusted by Kelly. Kelly kept trying to flirt with him. But Annabeth clearly, because it's her point of view, we didn't see that. We only saw Percy's point of view from those first books. So it's interesting to see. She's like, well, they're charm speakers. so And they specifically attract and men. And Luke was under the spell. He was a bit rapa um, Like, yikes. Annabeth still thinks she can fix Luke. I know. In Luke's death. dead. I know, dead and gone, but still. Mm-hmm. Basically, they want nothing to do with this group. But they realize the group is heading towards the doors. And they have to follow them if they want to get to the doors, too. I just have one note. Is that I was really mad in the son of poseidon oh, son his? of neptune neptune that's what it is son of yeah. neptune books um i never remember these titles for some reason. so i was really mad in the son of neptune books because when they stripped percy of his uh power of achilles but now i'm thinking like how easy this would have been if he still had it and that would right. have been as fun to read he would just have cruised through it wouldn't have been as stressful at all. No, it would have been more like him saving Annabeth, and it wouldn't have been yeah. as it would have been kind of boring at that point. We want them to
0: save each other, exactly. Equality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh, right. This book is already like I I like it so much more, so and much. I like I feel like the the above ground chapters bring some levity. Like the Hazel ones were more fun. Whereas yeah because they actually serve a like, purpose. purpose
1: yeah mm-hmm. before it they're was, like, still piper doing something ha- exactly piper would have a chapter simply to speak and i'm like no that's okay. not what we're doing right now
0: yeah no piper narrator in
1: this book so no all right so we have some lightning
0: bolt round
1: questions to go through
0: yes my first one is, so if you were like Gail, and you were turned into an animal for your personal flaws, what animal would it be? Like, what would, what flaws would someone be like, she needs to become this animal for? A chihuahua. Oh,
1: yeah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm small, I'm quite fiery, I think I'm bigger than I am, so I try to mm. fight people who are much larger. Um, yeah, I'd be a chihuahua.
0: That's a, a good one. Too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mhm, mhm. I think I'd be like a, a twittering bird. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can fly. Yeah, I'm small, and I feel like I have a high voice. Like I feel like my voice is annoying. Then again, everyone thinks their own voice is annoying. Yeah, I hate my voice. Um, I feel like I had another reason in my head, but I don't know it. It's just that I'm small. What kind of bird? <laughs> Maybe I like, like annoy a people seagull? randomly. You just, no, like, I don't scream? think I'm a seagull. I'm not much of a scavenger. Hmm. I think I'd be like, you know, I don't know enough about birds. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> That's because when I chose eagle, birds. you chose worm, so, you know. That's very yeah. true. <laughs> I imagine myself as the bird from The Lion King. Oh, the toucan? Zazu? Yeah. Zazu. Is mm-hmm. he a toucan? No, he's not a toucan. No, what is he? but he's got it says beak. it in the song. <laughs>
1: zazu lion king
0: what are you he's a red billed hornbill hornbill yeah 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 that's in the just can't wait to be king yeah. um anyway i could be that because i kind of always identified with him a little bit <laughs> i think i'm more chill now but like i feel like like middle school Aaron was a bit of a it was a bit of a zazu a bit of a zazu you know if you know what i'm saying <laughs>
1: All right. Well, the next question was asked by an extra couple of emails. So um, this is from Sawyer, but also someone's email name, which is atyd depression pills, which I think is so <laughs> funny. I was like, okay. Which is which of the, which out of the seven would you want to with you if you had to be in charge? So you can only pick one.
0: Oh shoot. Honestly, flying would be useful. <laughs> it would be very useful. I would just flow back up. <laughs> like, you know, just don't have to keep yeah. going down. <laughs> like, maybe Frank? Mm. Because he can also turn into other animals, so he could get into, like, little spots. And he's, like, you know, warg, But I feel like he's just, like, not... He hasn't had his, like, glow-up yet, so he's not brave enough. No, he would have turned into a frog and been eaten immediately... And, like, Jason can fly, so I guess I could handle, I could deal with Jason. You'd be stuck in Tartarus with Jason. Yeah. Mm.
1: I think mm. I would choose Nico.
0: Oh, but
1: Nico's not the seven. Oh, he's not the seven, that's right. I, I would definitely that. choose Nico. Yeah. He should be in the seven. I think it's a, it's a tie between Annabeth and Percy, because Percy mm, brings, yeah. like, you know... First of all, favorite character, but also he's got the power and, like, yeah. I don't have any fighting ability, so I need that. But at the same time, I'm not super smart, so Annabeth <laughs> would be very useful in, like, taking over and making plans and getting us out of there. Yeah. They honestly are the dream team. They are really the dream team. hmm Oh, man. Nico. I always think he's part of the Seven because he should be. Like, the he prophecy he made a mistake. Like, you could remove one yeah. of them and insert Nico. And honestly, Get better, best, Oracle. Be better. I know. All right, so my question is, like, if you were, you know, the architect of Tartarus mm-hmm. and you had to design an evil river that mm-hmm. the wicked has to drink from to survive, what
0: would you make it taste like? I think I'd make it taste like, you know, the, like... The jelly beans that are the bad flavors. Like I know mm-hmm. in Harry Potter they're birdie bots, but there's some like knockoff name. Yeah, yeah. The vomit one.
1: Oh, I don't think I've ever had it. Does oh it it's taste so like bad.
0: Vomit? It's so it tastes kind of like acid reflux. Like you Ew. know when you I, I don't even want to describe it. It's so gross. That's what it would taste like. And you can't spit it out like I always spit out that jelly bean. <laughs>
1: It's pra- How many times have you gotten vomit?
0: I don't know. I feel like there's a <laughs> time concerning. in my life where, like, in, like, late elementary school where it was, like, such a- it was, like, a social thing to, like, try those with your friends. <laughs> and the next <laughs> step was drugs. Yeah. <laughs> that was the next step. Yeah. <laughs> Just
1: stick to jelly beans. <laughs> I was originally thinking
0: Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> but I don't think it's bad enough. Cause like I am a big fan of Pepto Bismol, and I, like take, I take that personally. No, the flavor, but you know, like it's it's kind of a comforting taste to me. Oh my god, you're crazy! It's a consistency. Because I felt, yeah, I don't know, I just get tummy aches all the time, and so I I feel like it's like it's like a close friend of mine. I always have emergency Pepto in my wallet. Okay, but those are the pills. I'm, like, talking about the bright pink liquid. No, they're the chewies. Oh, the liquid. Oh. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking the liquid. I can see that a little more.
1: I mean, the thing I thought about after you said the acid reflux is, um, have you ever had, like, have to take a steroid or, like, malaria pills? No. So that it has, like, if it touches your tongue, it has, like, this unbelievably bitter taste oh it's awful and so when I was really young and I couldn't take uh, proper malaria pills like how with water because like I just couldn't mm, yeah time it correctly like when I was really little yeah, yeah my mom would put it in honey and so I thought honey oh. tasted that way because it just is like, the most bitter like grossest <laughs> taste honey doesn't mask it at all and then I was an adult so I take like pills now like I don't let even Advil touch my tongue because it's just reflex like that it tastes
0: bad Advil also tastes bad. It's sugar coated, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> whatever I get, but whatever Pepto like... tastes good, and you think sugar tastes bad. <laughs> good to know. Maybe it's just a psychological thing.
1: <laughs> oh, but that the cons- like this taste of steroid like medication mm. or malaria pills, and the consistency oh. of Pepto Bismol is what I would
0: have it. Oh. Okay, yeah, toxic. so medicine. Bad medicine. medicine. Bad medicine. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, I don't want to go to our rivers. No. I don't know, the Your Pepto-Bismol River. I might be into it. You might be just drinking. You may become immortal by the amount of that you drink. They <laughs> <laughs> actually become the most powerful
1: being in Tartarus because you can't stop drinking from the Pepto-Bismol River. I do, like,
0: ads, and I'm like, <laughs> how did I get this way? Pepto-Bismol <laughs> Spawn us,
1: sponsor us, man.
0: Please. (laughs) Weird questions. All right, moving on. (laughs) Next week we will be doing chapters 9 through 16. So we are going to get Leo for our above perspective and Percy for the below perspective.
1: If you're interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon. The link is in the episode description as well as a link to send us an audio message.
0: And you can find us on social media at Camp Half Pod. And you can email us, camphalfpod at gmail.com. Make sure you get those lightning bolt questions in. Don't forget to rate and review if you haven't
1: already. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.